0: 空が
1: So, oh, Jack. Tyson. Awesome. <laughs> Imagination. Yeah. Imagination. Well, let's let's kick off from our cultural perspective on that. See, in our universe, everything in creation already is. Everything that ever was and ever will be is one thing. It's whole and complete, and it already exists all at once. Now, when we... Um, when we create something or when we imagine something, we're not unilaterally putting that together. It's not coming, it's not being born like an egg out of our fabulous individual imaginations. We're actually just, we're retrieving that from parts of the dreaming that are still unknown to us, parts of the dreaming that are unseen. Um, you see this a lot of, um. A lot of artists talk about this experience too. That their art is pre-existing and is an entity that has spirit and that has sentience, and all they're doing is finding that entity and bringing it, bringing it into this moment, um, which is pretty exciting when you think about that. It takes the burden of imagination off you.
0: Yeah, A lot of people have bad. these
1: processes. Of, here's the process of innovation. You follow these steps. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna create something new. Uh, But there is nothing new under the sun.
0: There's a, um, Rachel said once that none of us hold the notes. We're just, none of us own the notes. We're just lucky enough to hold them for a little bit before you pass them on. Just kind of feels a little bit like that idea that the music is there. um, You've just got to hear it. And then if you're lucky enough to play it for a bit, you can play it. And yeah, I think sort of the, like the mystery of the idea that everything already exists there's a reasonable scientific logic that you can kind of follow that eventually we know that eventually the sun is going to eat earth that that's going to that's going to end so we know there's an end and we know that earth regenerates and we know that but, we don't know but there is a pretty good chance that human life on earth will be finite that that's unless it. unless we're really clever um or really imaginative, or we can find the answers that, that can sync up with with Mother Earth. So I think there's yeah, there's some really um there's some really clear logic that sinks and has been proven in a bunch of other places. And NASA did this study on imagination where 97% of five-year-olds they found had a genius level imagination, mm. and it was three percent of 35-year-olds. And that again just reinforces that point around the idea that what we know is already there. And Mm. so much of... I think the fascinating thing with teaching imagination and unlocking imagination is you are... It's just you have to unpick patterns Mm. that have been taught to Mm. get back to some very simple beginning state where you have a genius level imagination at birth. Mm. Mm.
1: Complex beginning state. What I see now, yeah, baby, what I see, Ray Charles. It's funny the um, the senses. Our senses are limited uh, as human beings. We can only perceive a very small amount of the reality around us. Um, but then, paradoxically, at the same time, our senses could be seen as limiting. Mm. You know, because you learn to process things visually. You know, in one way, and 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 your culture tells you what to pay attention to, um, and that's what you see. That's being filtered all the time. But if you're a, an artist like Ray Charles who has one of those senses taken away, so vision, for example, you know, um, in one sense, you're in one way you're limited, you know, uh, and disabled, you know, um, that scene. But in another way there's that gift of being able to perceive other patternings and to tap into other senses that are unnamed and unnameable. Yeah. Um, so, you, I mean, you, you think about the amount of... Um, I don't know. Half the blind people I've met uh, have tapped into that sort of uh, childlike genius in some way.
0: Yeah, you kind of. I mean, the again, you can play through like a pretty solid logic that, like, an obstacle either stops the movement of a being mm. or forces imaginative adaptation mm. and strengthening of other skills, awareness, knowledge, um, to then be able to move around,
1: dig under, you know, there go you go. you've just answered whatever you just answered. One of life's big questions. What happens when an immovable force meets a, no, uh, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. <laughs> yeah, that happens. That's when everything, uh, wonderful happens, magical happens. Look, we've got to be careful with, um, with woo woo. Yep you know, the problem with a lot of because both of us are influenced by a lot of self help discourses, and positive thinking discourses, because, you know, we both, um, you know, were strongly influenced by that through that two decades from the 90s on, um, you know, until things became more cynical and went the other way, which is even worse. (laughs) Yeah, so we've got to land somewhere in between. The problem with all that positive thinking is that it's it's slack. It cherry picks things like, um, like even the, the idea of the genius of childhood is problematic. You know, so the genius of childhood is driven by the nucleus basalis, which which causes very sharp, permanent, long-term memories to be formed immediately. Um, and people currently, human beings lose that the nucleus basalis decays and declines. Um, you know, around between the age of ten and twelve. You know or eight and 12 or something like that, uh, it goes away. The other thing is though, you're born with, you, you, from early childhood, you have these, um, so many trillions of neural connections and they decrease and they're pruned. And we understand that to be actually a good thing because you pretty much couldn't function in the world <laughs> with that many uh, neural connections going on at once. You know, so we have a lot of woo-woo statements like, "Oh, we're only using five percent of our brains," you know. Um, you know that oh, we're only using five percent of our brains. What if we could switch on the rest? If we switch on the rest, we'd be useless.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, at its potentially, I
1: like- you know. So I mean, and, and that's why kids need to be cared for because they've got so much going on in their head all the time that it, you know, paradoxically, it makes them stupid in the world.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you and and like to. To move through the woo-woo wanderings into kind of trying to, you know, play in numbers or like modeling of thinking of a life, Mm -hmm. yeah. It the removal of abilities back to that earlier point you're kind of bringing up can allow for a, a simpler and life and perhaps the simplicity of thought is what we're trying to get down to, that actually the, yeah. the overarching moving like yeah. neural connections at warp speed is maybe not peace. And so yeah. perhaps what we're doing is we're actually chasing in the process of simplifying. And a lot of our schooling um, experiences, I think, for young people try and help provide frames and boxes and ceilings, um, which I think is... Like for a lot of a lot of the design of of human systems and, and trying to create some sort of order mm. and safety for kids, as you mm. said, I think can be effective to a point. Mm. And then there's um then there's how do you lift the lid off? How do you just put a bit of a trapdoor there so the lid's not permanent and it mm-hmm. has a risk of then creating containment and turning us into, into sort of, I suppose, robotic you know mechanisms Mm -hmm. which is some of the that's the wide wide sort of searching critiques of Mm -hmm. education you know the henry ford production line blah blah blah, and everyone cheers in the education conference and goes yeah "Yeah, revolution um but i think it's just the complexity of can you open a little trap door and can we go in and out can you go up onto the roof and have a roof party Mm -hmm. with imagination then can you go back Mm -hmm. in and still learn mathematics and can you have the best of of wandering in between and that's that's i think the tension because when you're you know, the people I look at who I'm like, whoa, you have, you have hacked this thing in a beautiful way. Like I think my mum's one of them. I mean, she's like in her 60s um, and she's the kid's state's alive and mm. she's lived a lot, you know, mm. and she, she's not lost, which a lot of artists I think we, you know, we wander as artists and go out to imaginative places and never come back and we don't build that bridge or the drawbridge mm. to kind of walk mm. back and forward. Mm. But when we can walk back and forward... It's the greatest trip ever to just go into your imaginative space. It's like the greatest gift, the greatest
1: drug, the greatest journeying right here in our head. Yeah. Well, that bridge is relational. You know, um, you can get yourself as an individual disconnected. You can get yourself into ecstatic loops, you Mm -hmm. know, through certain parts of meditation, cherry picked from Eastern culture or whatever. You can get yourself into these ecstatic loops and creative loops that does feel like a drug. You know, but at the same time, you know, you're creating this little closed system in yourself that can temporarily generate, you know, a lot of immense creativity. But then that decays because it's cut off. You don't have that bridge back to your relations. And so everything falls apart, which is why so many artists go insane, cut off their ear and mail it to their girlfriend. You know, that happens all the time. I mean, genius is not supposed to be singular and individual. You know, this is an economy and a global economy that we live in now, that that uh, highly values the idea of an individual genius. And so we elevate these Zuckerbergs and, you know, Einstein's and everybody else. Um, we we elevate them as all oh, this. This is where the genius is it, is comes it dating
0: from. up genius. The rest
1: of us. Yeah. Well, the rest of us are um, the rest of us are kind of mediocre and and dull and because somebody has to keep the streets clean. Yeah. You know, that, that's the idea. There's a hierarchy, but that's not how genius works in our culture. In our culture, genius is distributed. Genius is collective. You know, things are kept, knowledge is kept, you know, with people who have that cultural authority. Um, but that genius of how to work it and live it in, the, in our everyday life, that's distributed throughout the community. And it must be there because otherwise you're Einstein. And Einstein can go, yeah, E equals MC squared, but he hasn't got time to wash his underpants he, he, he forgets to eat his breakfast. He doesn't take a shower. Can you imagine being Einstein's that would be awful. Mm. And so if you're out of relation in that Einstein way, then you're more likely to go, yeah, Manhattan project, I'll help you build a massive bomb. That'll completely destroy the world. I'll figure out the physics of that for you because you don't think it through because you're out of relation with people and with non-humans and with the land and with everything else. Genius is in relation to people and land and non-humans and spirit, particularly spirit because you need that spirit connection. You need to be able to retrieve these entities, uh, these creations that already exist in dreaming. You need to be able to retrieve that and you can only do that properly in relation. Otherwise, all you're going to do is Manhattan projects all over the show.
0: Yeah, and what becomes fascinating, I think, is thinking about um, you build like watch. Then, so let's say, for argument's sake, the genius equals imagination as one field of genius. Um, so then, if you take relational um, inputs and then look at how you could build a pathway into imagination, that's kind of That's my obsession or part of my obsession is thinking about I think there is a formula as to how you can build those relations and those patterning, building off a lot of Indigenous systems thinking and then trying to work out how you then look at this current landscape where there's a lot of people outside the margins and a small group inside the margins. And so this idea of just taking unlikely connections and going, if you put two people together who would not have connected before, I actually think that 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 interaction creates imagination. And if you take a person and they connect with a piece of knowledge they haven't connected with before, I think that activates imagination and that's our trapdoor. So I kind of think unlikely Mm. connections are one way we can start, we can design imaginative experiences and imaginative outcomes.
1: Well, we know the physics of that. We know how it works at the micro and at the macro. You know, we know that we retrieve and access these these new ideas from new neural connections being made. So two neurons connecting that never connected before, you know, over a a new idea, you know, or putting two ideas together that you, you know, you didn't come across before. You know, so I mean, that's what a joke does. You know, a joke connects a couple of ideas that you haven't connected before and uh, brings a new understanding of that. And your genetic reward for making those connections is a chemical is a drug, basically, you know, you get a chemical rush of pleasure, like dopamines and stuff like that just floods your system. Um, And that's why it's so intensely pleasurable when you get to the punchline of a joke. uh, And the ideas are connected. It's so pleasurable that you laugh out loud. You know, so there's something about, you know, imagination, which is, you know, a, um, you know, a healthy high and all the rest. Yeah. But then at the same time, you know, my daughter, this morning, I said, Don't touch that knife, it's sharp. And she turns around and looks at me and she says, I'm Tinkerbell. And I'm like, That's great, Tinkerbell. Put the freaking knife down, you're gonna cut yourself. <laughs> yep, yeah. So there's that as well. Yeah, there's a Tinkerbell effect.
0: Yeah, the um, it was it was so fun. Uh, and you come in, you came and hung out when we did this, uh, last year, almost two years ago now. When we tried to just do a live like experiment with imagination, so we were doing a live TV show daily during the pandemic, and we just basically used it as like an imagination lab. And we were like, okay, how do we just spin together these unlikely unlikely connections and create a relational space? And then from that connection, like what you do with the podcast so often, but and then opening it up to like three or four guests and bringing some kids in and different people from different worlds let's see what we can do together or what we could create together from that base. So we started, um, we ran about you know, four or five weeks of the shows, like about 35 episodes. And we just said, we want to make a feature film out of nothing. And part of the, the objective was, was what you were touching on earlier. Like I was looking at like the concept of Hollywood and it's such an individual um, creation story. Like, Walt Disney can do this. So Walt Disney is genius. So therefore only people who like can get into that Disney world could ever make a feature film or make a story that, that could have big cultural capital. And then the moment you start going into how to make films, like, and I studied a bit of this at uni and like made a lot of films and and stuff over the course of the last 20 years. But yeah, they're so scary. Like you need a producer, you need a distributor, you need this, it's cost X, Y, Z times a billion. It's like going into some like crazy economic, um, coding sensation world and I I was interested into how you could emancipate that idea that that stories are held by studios and could you create something out of nothing and could you start with a film, just a blank page on a Google Doc and then bring people together and write and then could you just follow from there and then film it Um, or work out how you create it and then eventually release it and could you then use that as a tool to then take to kids around the world to go, here is imagination in action. Here is how we did it with unlikely connections. Here's how we did it with a relational base. And here's how we made something that like might follow logic threads at time and might not. But the this film isn't actually the important part. Showing how we make something, um, I think, is the, the critical lesson. Because we hide behind We try to be so perfect in our creation um, that we release the the song at finish, we release the film at finish, we release the story in a sort of um, sense that there is a perfect artist or a perfect storyteller. And I think for kids coming through, especially if you're coming from outside the margins, you're like, "How do I ever do
1: that? (laughs) Like, how do I ever start?" uh, We we don't want to fall into the '70s trap, though. So the '70s was the time when the world could have changed. You know, and, but they just went with pure, unbridled, undisciplined imagination, mm. those guys. And, um, you know, it didn't bloody work. You know, the stuff that uh, a lot of the art they were producing was just absolute rubbish, you know, because there was no discipline there. And it comes back to this idea of that, uh, that pruning of all the neural connections of the genius of children, you know, because Tinkerbell's fine. Uh, Tinkerbell's great, but she's not great with third degree burns. you know, so that that prunes, you know, for me, I find if someone says, Oh, you just, just express what's inside, just just go for it. Just write me a piece whatever you want. Just write whatever's on your mind, Uh, or talk about whatever's on your mind, that's going to be a bad keynote address, that's going to be a bad paper, Mm. you know, because that's my unbridled, you know, singular, just Oh, just lands wild landscape of nothing with no focus. But if people say, I need you to do this in 1200 words, you know, on the topic of uh, geoengineering, that's when I do my best writing. Cause your imagination must be challenged. Your imagination must be, must be challenged to find solutions. If you're not problem solving in your imagineering, then your imagination is nothing. Your imagination is 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 just floating around on the clouds in an ecstatic loop, and you're not producing anything. So this was the there was a big debate that came out of the '70s and '80s around process versus genre-based um, writing and literacy and all this kind of thing. And so there was a big focus on process writing, where it was just like you let the kids go, you know, with their imagination, and you just let them let them write. Well, you don't even teach them to write. You just let them play with the books and you let them play with the pencils and they end up reproducing the works of Shakespeare because they're geniuses. And what you ended up with is a whole generation of people who were practically illiterate, which is why we have such a problem with um, baby boomers who have no capacity to do analysis or anything and have wrecked the world. It's because of the 70s. It ruined them. (laughs) Now, it's the, the, but if you go the other way and it's all genre-based and you're just deconstructing genres and showing the structures of the genres and doing skill-based literacy and then expecting them to write Shakespeare, then that's not going to happen either because their answer is neither and both. The answer is you need you need to discipline your imagination. Not discipline your imagination. You need to challenge your imagination. Well, you, your you, imagination yeah. is worth nothing if you're comfortable. Well, when, you're, that, when you're yeah, floating yeah. in comfort, in a fantasy that's making you feel good nothing good can come of that the text that you produce the movie that you produce it will be rubbish well i think the the greatest
0: like the greatest mistake with looking at imagination is that imagination is like this endless chaos and blank blank canvas and that it's that it's purely reactive so i think when you're describing that first state which is just like say whatever you want man be whatever you mm. want mm. that's not imagination that's like one it's a it's an environment which can invoke fear because mm. it's too big so you're basically mm. saying empty everything and and then let whatever is the reactive impulse which whatever is in your mind at that moment like mm. lead whatever you're thinking is which isn't that's like that's not imagination, that's like um, some reactive experiment of, of sort of what is in your head right now. It's like some crazy detective kind of formula. The, what I think is interesting about imagination, and you mentioned it, like the, there's one of those sort of catch cry phrases that have moved around, that imagineers idea. Mm. And I think what's strong about that, like when you underpick the, the phrase, is it's saying that there's engineering in it? And what I think about imagination is it's a muscle. I just think it's a muscle that we can activate and train and we can have discipline to it. And, and we can think of it in the same way that we think about our bicep um, or our hamstring or whatever it might be. You just got to stretch it like, and you can use it in different ways. And I, when you describe the frame of, um, of that paper that you get given, you're then in a place where I think you can you can knowingly open the trapdoor if you want to. And then when you're safe and you're activating imagination from within, which is sort of coming back to that earlier conversation around like relational bases and foundations, if you know mm. you're coming from a place, then you can safely wander. And you don't need a drug in the world to go there because it's not a, like a trip, it's not a woo-woo thing. Like it's just like activating a level of intelligence inside our operating mechanism which allows us to view a variety of different viewpoints instead of looking at it through that process directly Mm. in place so Mm. yeah i'm interested in how you use as a muscle how you think about engineering practice how do you teach imagination how do you kind of codify it um so we can so it doesn't exist out in some neverland world or we're afraid
1: of it Mm. um you know we oh that's the big one bros is fear Yeah, because you need, I I believe you need discomfort, intense discomfort uh, in order to um, trigger the problem solving mechanism that imagination is for. That's why we have imagination so that we as the custodial species can solve problems, complex problems uh, in the environment. That's what we're here for, you know, but fear gets in the way of that. Like, absolutely. My, My four year old daughter, you know, um so she's been on lockdown since she was two so she hasn't seen a pool Mm. she's never learned to swim the other day she goes to a pool for the first time she looks at it and goes hey swimming jumps in starts swimming (laughs) she doesn't know that she can drown she's never Mm. seen a pool before she's never been through all you know and off she goes she's swimming she figured it out basically she can float she keeps some air in her lungs and dog paddle around she had a ball She was Mm. swimming immediately.
0: That's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But then again, if I picked her up and she was, you know, and she had that fear and then I threw her in the deep end, that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. That's something that could destroy her imagination and problem-solving ability around water forever. So that fear is a a really tricky one to navigate. Your
0: your visualisation in that moment there, she's visualising her way into it and the mm. other one is you're visualizing the story in and she has no agency inside out. And that I think is what is, you know, when I was playing a lot of sports stuff, like the I used to kick goals in um, rugby union and spend hours upon hours practicing kicking goals and also bold leg spin in cricket. And which was, again, Mm. they're both closed skills. And so when I was going really well, I could watch the ball going through um, the posts and I would kick the ball exactly the same as what I watched before in my mind. And when I bowled balls, which I, I, I would visualize sort of making the ball go and move this different way and, and it would happen. And I remember studying like golfers who were trying to explore alternative visualization methods and some of them would bowl through, bo- would hit balls through boxes. So they'd kind mm. of picture a box on the course and then another box on the course and they'd want to make it land through there. And apparently Daniel Vittori, who um, played for New Zealand in cricket, who's also spin bowler, did a bit of that box work for periods, would kind of go, okay, release here through a green box, drop there through a purple box, and then try and make it um, land. And the, the pe- that's imaginative practice for us to mm. do the skill before we have to physically do it. Mm. And you can, you, in terms of hacking a system, that you can kind of, watch like a, nick curios i find fascinating as like an athlete who plays tennis in a strip from australia but i mean he's gone and played 11 tournaments in in two years and played basketball um and he's like the anti-pro athlete but you can see that he he has a story and he's had fitness sometimes like hacks him in big games but he can visualize the story and mm-hmm. so there's something that's happening which is very different to that process, 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 train, 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 train like a Djokovic for different people. Muscle, muscle, mm. muscle, muscle, do this. He's like playing video games and playing basketball and then turning up to play in the Australian Open is relaxed and he's free, His yeah. mind's free, he's seeing yeah. it. Together. But, yeah, I think mm. that visualisation pathway into imagination that you generate it from inside out um, is critical to it being a safe
1: wandering. Yeah. And, and, and maintaining, like you said, that bridge, that bridge of uh, relationship um the entire time it's um it's kind of like you, you don't want to create that uh, closed system yeah you know in, in in yourself because i mean that's um you know so so jeff bezos that's his that's his way he can close up an entire system and then focus on lots of energy inputs into that system and for a brief period of time, you know, uh, maybe a decade or something, that will then generate massive amounts of profits and energy, uh, more than what has been put into it. Uh, but it also destroys that system over time. Um, this is a lot of how this economy uses imagination. Mm. Um, it's, like, it's like the way we, we've um, domesticated, you know, oxen into pulling a plow. You know, it's the same thing. You're taking this amazing animal that has a place in the system and then you're you're domesticating it, fattening it, and putting it in service of dragging this plow around for you. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that we've done to imagination as we've we've taken it and enclosed it. Yeah. So while I call for discipline and challenge, you Mm -hmm. know, in imagination is the only thing that makes it effective uh, because it stimulates the problem-solving action. Uh, At the same time, you, you don't want to rope it and harness it, you know, and uh, you know close it off from relation and just have it pulling the plow of your um, your need to produce items yeah. of value.
0: It's always back and forwards, isn't it? It's just like you know, or the the slippery slide going, or the um, yeah, just going backwards and forwards on the seesaw, and making sure that you're going in and then coming mm. out at a different level, and just entering at different spaces and different energy spots and. Yeah I think you want to keep the bungee rope back to your relational home base when you go mm. into spaces of imagination so you've got safety so you've got a home mm. and you know where you're venturing because it is you are literally like wandering into places sometimes that that you definitely that you haven't been to but sometimes mm. other people haven't lots of people haven't been to and that's mm. what great artists do for us is they go out to these places which are more vast and are less controlled, and there's less laneways, and there's yeah. not a map, and and then you kind of wander, and mm. that's what the, the big philosophers do for us. That's why I you know, admire about your work and how you're trying to think, like it's you try, you wander, you see what's out there, and it's scary. And if you stay there forever, I think that's when cynicism, either you become cynical or absurd, um, and both mm. of those. When, when they sort of institutionalize and put into a person, Mm. are not healthy um, in in relational connections. It's harder Mm. to stay hopeful and energized in a positive fashion um, if that happens. I can ask you one question quickly. Um, You're you're having a go at playing Jeff the alien dog in this film that we're making. What is it like for your brain when you go into? So we're basing it, you know, borrowing a little bit from that midnight gospel film and Mm. trying to use immersive storytelling and like fill the rest of the script. through a sort of podcast frame and, and you're playing the dog and then having these conversations with other people, what does your brain do when you're like Jeff, the alien dog, like what's the process that goes through? Have you been conscious of that? Or is it like
1: a unconscious yeah. experience? Well, what? look, this, this is, um, you know, I'm not a dog person, you know, at all. So, I mean, you know, let's say, let's say the, let's say I went, no, no, I'm, I'm more comfortable with being a Brolger because that's my totem. Uh, can I just be a broga in the movie? Um, I, I wouldn't come up with anything good, mm. you know, I'd just be regurgitating what I already know and probably in ways that aren't very inspiring, but to actually have to face the challenge of inhabiting the characteristics of an animal that, that I generally don't like. <laughs> um, you know, the challenge of that, that's what stimulates your imagination. Mm. That's what because that's problem solving. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're coming up with amazing ideas. Like we're talking to, um, um, to Turnbull, David Turnbull, who's, you know, all about the um, maps and how, you know, maps are territories and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and so and that spatial relation that happens with all uh, human thought and neural processing and all the rest. Uh, we're going deep into that. And we're talking about maps and the scale of maps and so you know we come out with things from a dog's point of view like well um as a canine um my maps are all scent based maps and the scale is one to one so the land itself is the map and i know it through smell and i pee on that map and that's how i mark places on the map <laughs> <laughs> you know so you've got something that's sublimely ridiculous um at the same time is, is kind of a, a little bit mind-blowing and hard to wrap your head around I wouldn't have come up with that if I was a broker just flapping around going quot quot, quot uh because I already know how to do that
0: yeah or if we give you if we gave you a paper said so 1700 words um on imagination and like and the and, and life or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. We probably. I don't know if you'd find just open. And then tennis. Jeff the dog. Yeah, Pete on a on a map. Yeah, that's it. Look, I I just
1: I, I think you did that once. You you've actually asked me to write a uh, write yeah. some content for you where you just anything you like, press. And it's just occurred to me that I never actually got that done. Yeah. I didn't get it done because you know I spent a lot of time just going wherever my mind would take me. Yeah. And that didn't get me anything. I didn't come up with one usable thought.
0: There's a, there's a great line that I got taught by this um, business consultant coach dude, uh, Greg Hutchinson, who's like he coached the Bain & Company execs around the world for a period of time. They've got like some executive coaches and he was in Bain & Company for his whole life. And he's uh, like an unbelievably gentle, kind um, dude. And he just said to me once, a problem well framed is a problem half solved. Mm. And I've always thought that that's, that's, that's your job in design.
1: Like that's to him. A- build the framework mm. so i failed yeah. you in that moment because i didn't frame <laughs> well you, you've challenged me just to get me to uh come on board with talking about imagination in the first place you know because, i mean as you know from our early conversations i'm just like nah, imagination doesn't exist it's useless it's a distraction uh, imagination is no good like you know uh, and so i've had to you know be really I don't know, I've had to be really creative and problem solved to think, okay, so what is imagination really? And that's where we arrive at that point of um, you know, imagination is something you retrieve from dreaming, something Mm. already existing. And then I get to find creative ways into sharing with people this idea that you don't come up with anything yourself. You know, if you're uh if you're a mathematician you know, and you come up with a mathematical proof that nobody's done before, that mathematical proof already it was already existing. It was pre-existing because it's part of the laws of physics, the laws of patterning in the universe already. You've just found it. And what were the tools that you used to find it? Did you make those tools? No, sir. You know, those are Arabic numerals, you know, that have come from another culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are, you've got You've got like a thousand years of people around the world contributing to your discipline and building it. Millions of people all in relation and you're standing on their shoulders and using the tools that they've handed you to retrieve something that's already pre-existing in the universe and give it expression. You didn't imagine that thing. You didn't invent that thing. You don't own that thing. That's not your intellectual property. Get out of here with imagination, <laughs> but I find like uh, you know having the challenge of trying to go okay, imagination. How how do we how do we define it, redefine it, uh, do something different with it that isn't just the same old bloody tie dye T-shirts and belly button rings from the seventies, you know?
0: And if you're looking, I think that that unlikely connections has at least provided me like with a with a, a healthy um, like discipline or framework to go. How do I just do this in a way where we don't get lost, but also that it keeps regenerating. Like when we had that yarn with Capra, like how do you build regeneration into it? So if you keep following those unlikely connections, it can kind of build it. And as you were talking, kind of reflecting on um, on imaginative spaces, and I think you know we we haven't been able to travel. Human beings, almost everybody around the world, has had travel taken away for two years. And I remember talking to one of my um, really close friends. Kabir Danji, who's like, he, we're at university together um, and he's, from, he's Kenyan and we, we kind of caused some good trouble together at uni and he helped me kind mm. of sketch the ideas of AIM and we ran some concerts together and we really would wander around like as two kind of outcasts at university and we'd just go have dinner every night in Newtown, wandering up and down King Street and watching people and trying to understand life and that was sort of like the energy where AIM came out of. Mm. And I remember interviewing one day John Butler, the musician, and um, interviewed him in upstate New York for like just to have mentor. We have mentors come into the curriculum via films and stuff. And, and he, at the end of like during the interview said, we talked about dreams and he said, Oh, well, if you're not willing to work, then don't bother dreaming. Like, you know, for those of us that work hard, like and take those dreams and try and finish what we, what we say our dreams are like, it's almost an offense to those of us that, that do the dreaming. If you don't follow it up with the work, and I just thought that that was like, I was like, that's almost the meaning of life. You know, I called cabs mm. afterwards. I was like, bro, that's it. You know, like if you're not willing to work, don't bother dreaming. And then he said to me, because mm, he's worked as a war correspondent for 20 years, like in the continent of Africa. And then he works with AIM as well. Um, but he said, bro, like for the biggest refugee camp in, um, in Kenya, where I do a lot of work, for a lot of those kids, like they might not ever leave that camp. So all they have got is dreaming no Mm. matter how hard they work. And, and from that moment on, I've understood that it can be enough to go into your imagination and that that might be the greatest freedom that you ever have. It might be the greatest freedom of your mind. It might be the greatest emancipation. And for a lot of people, it might be the only trouble we ever have. And Mm. it might not, I think to the second point around owning creations, you know, pop culture my pop understanding of postmodernism is that like every idea is created and we're just sort of mashing them together again and maybe it's maybe that's the beginning of all ideas is that all we're doing as inventors or people that use your imagination is looking what's around or f- hearing and feeling the signals and making unlikely connections yeah. and, and that's that's what we do so the the genius is just that you know someone said x and then put it together with Number three, and a pigeon,
1: and we got something. Yeah, it's it's funny. Well, you, I know you're a big fan of the mashup. And it's like the mashup is like you know, that's been that's been running for half a million years. Hmm. <laughs> that's been running since Homo erectus. The mashup, we've been doing that forever. You can see that on the carved shells from that time, half a million years old. Yeah. You know, um, this mashup of different ideas. That's how, and and potentially that's what uh, imagination is this idea that you're bringing, it's the unlikely connection between two points and, um, you know, but it's, it's funny it, it, and it sort of made a bit of a resurgence, uh, and it became a bit of a cultural phenomenon for a while in, uh, particularly in music, you know, um, but it lasted from about, I don't know, from, from about the production of Pitch Perfect, the, <laughs> the first movie by the time the sequel came around, it was done. And they were like saying to you, what are you going to do, more mashups? Nah, that's finished. That's, uh, I really that's love out of fashion now. Every conversation. It's like, you can't do. tell me. You can't tell me that that's out of fashion now. We've been doing that half a million years. How, pi- how, how pitch, gonna watch perfect pitch perfect, perfect is <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. It's like there's a difference between movies and films. Yeah. You know, a good film is like, you know, Citizen Kane is a good film. Yeah. You know, um, Psycho is a good film. And that's great. But, you know, that's not what you want to watch on Saturday afternoon. You want to watch a movie. And my favourite movie is Pitch Perfect. It's awesome. That's just the greatest.
0: <laughs> I remember sitting down once with this ad group who were trying to, like, codify AIM to help with our strategy. And they were um, they said to me, so your inspiration, you know, where this has come from is you're Aboriginal and, and AIM, you know, therefore is tapping into the genius of Sixty thousand years of storytelling and 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 so you're the best storytellers forever and so that's mm. what you are and that's why you made aim i was like oh i like Willy wonka yeah. you know like and it's okay like you can be the you can do indigenous systems thinking yeah, yeah. and love pitch perfect like yeah. and and that's when it gets really interesting because that's yeah. the reality we all get inputs from all these different places and um and being able to I love like there's lots we can borrow from lots of
1: things that we all all um, all bring together. You know what? There's, yeah. a, there's a lesson in Pitch Perfect too as well. Big time. Like I say, um, when she wasn't allowed to do the mashups anymore, which she'd always done, you know, suddenly she had that challenge. And so her imagination then had to go in overdrive and she's drawing down from her relationships and her knowledge from her community and ends up um, doing something pretty amazing. That's not a mashup. And that's the child And then next minute, she's singing there with Snoop Dogg.
0: Yeah, yeah and then we're going to Not a that game. I'm
1: promoting Snoop Dogg. He's a murderer, by the way. He's killed people. I don't know why everybody's like, ah, oh, lovely old Snoop Dogg. It's like, why isn't he in jail? Anyway, that's a whole nother topic.
0: Um, yeah, I think. Well, I, I feel like we. Um, yeah, I'd love to keep yawning with you over the course of the year about like imagination and see if we can bring some people in because I, I think at the very least like even if we don't use it, um, we should know it's there as a tool and it's dormant for a lot of adults and, mm. and it could be very useful for us to navigate stuff. And, yeah, I think as we um, get into trying to finish up this film in this next little period, it's going to be really mm. interesting to see how we can try and complete making something out of nothing as a lesson mm. for kids because mm. I think for all those kids around the world, particularly ones outside the margins that have less wealth or opportunities if you can somehow show how you can like create something out of nothing and i think mm. i've shared with you the other day this word Jalme, which is this bunjalung word of it's sort of the, the the flicker of the energy before the fire starts and mm. all mm-hmm. of that dormant energy potential if we can mm-hmm. help young people and teachers kind of work together to go no well you don't need all the laptops you don't need all this stuff you don't need just like here is an example of how you make something out of nothing mm. and money mm. doesn't have to be the barrier to yeah. progress. I reckon we got ourselves an interesting mm. ball game. So it's going to be it'll be a fun period. But I like, it off.
1: I like, I like what makes you the anti-Zuckerberg in this, in building this platform is, I don't know what, what powers it and gives it infinite potential is the limits that you place on it. So it's that idea of pruning all those neural connections, you know, to um, actually make, make things functional and make imagination um you know a beautiful thing uh, it's it's exactly the same thing if you think about it because um you know uh, all these social media platforms they're about infinite connections it's about having a million followers you know millions of connections infinitely but what you're doing is is to the power of five not to the power of five because that that would be close to infinite i'm talking about you know times five that unc five uh those unlikely connections so, you're limiting the connections to five people, you know, and, and making sure that, that where you're expanding, you're doing increase, not growth. You're doing increase into the micro within those relationships to create complexity, you know, to create beauty infinitely within that, rather than to expand out your connections to millions and millions of people. You're also placing limits on the lifetime of the, of the, um, of the thing, that it won't be something that's up forever that it will it will die it will be mortal you know within uh, a set period of time of a few years and also we talked about having a kill switch yeah yeah well,
0: I you know, think so that's that there's it. a
1: there's a button there always that anyone could press um to end it it's <laughs> but almost that there's, like a... there would be a series oh, yeah. of things to go through so someone would press the kill this kill this imagination <laughs> kill this platform, they press the button. But then it comes up with the thing that tells them, well, you need two people to do that. So you need to connect with someone else. Mm. And uh, both of you need to press the button at the same time. And then it asks you to connect up to your other five, (laughs) etc. So that in the act of trying to uh, destroy something, you're forcing someone to come in relation with other people. Um, I I don't know, I I think that's genius. I think the um, i think that the the source of your genius in this in this imagination is not unlimited possibilities and unlimited connections and eternal growth it's about pruning things back to having infinite increase into the micro um to having you know um very concentrated very strong um limited relationships there's in um, terms of numbers
0: taika YTT, i interviewed once as well like and he was he just said to me like I said, what's, what's the key lesson you pass on to kids? And he just said, finish what you start. And I think what I'm fascinated in and what we've sort of touched on today and maybe, I don't know, whenever this wraps up, but it's like a, that you know you were talking at the start, Tyson, about how important it is to be grounded in those relations, to have the bridge back. Uh, and I th- when you talk about like th- if, say, you've got 300 followers on, on a social media platform, your goal should be to get down to zero because then you're back to the beginning and you've been on a journey and you've mm. wandered out with imagination, you go into imagination to come back home. So home is stronger, like, cause yourself is the core. You've got all these other things. Imagination is a bridge or a wandering. And I think like, that's why with all the stuff we try and start when we're trying to provide examples for, for young people as to how to go on that journey is imagine, create, finish, complete, and then, then have it done and let mm. other people learn from it or borrow from it or copy it or, or whatever yeah. it might look like. But do yourself consistently try and end what you start and because that's the only truth in our life, we end. Um, so if we can be trying to end it earlier while we're alive, yeah. then you're condensing the knowledge to pass on to other people. And I just think that's um, that's probably the most honouring the most natural law of design mm. that, that you, you just complete. And if you complete, then I think you can achieve peace because you're like, yeah. oh,
1: cool, You yeah. got there. And also, just be in the process, mm. and you know, your completion has to move into the next next uh, cycle too. Uh, because otherwise, if you're only imagining the completion and you achieve that, I don't know if you've ever faced this before, but you know, if you haven't thought about what's happening next, and you're not you're not planning on you know, like completion, that's an end point. You get to the end of it and then you go, "Ah, oh, that's disappointing. What do I do now? You know, it's, I know that that was, you know, when I got my doctorate, I strived and strived and strived uh, for, for years to get to the point where I could do that. And so on the day I graduated, it was just one of the saddest days of my life. I was like, oh God, what do I do now? Yeah. I think I stuffed around for seven years after that before I even started any meaningful post work. <laughs> yeah, you, and chase, it well, you, you
0: chase them you're chasing a mountain of achievement but there's no loop back of that bungee cord back to where you've begun to little yeah you. and that's then it. the reflexive pro because you think next 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 or bigger 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 and knowing that we're you know eventually on the journey i think we're all just going back to our little baby selves and then we've become we need to be cared for and then it ends and so if we can kind of build that into our journeying um then there's less of a whiplash i think when you mm. fall because you're just falling back to the beginning. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I reckon we should try and um, work out how we can kind of lift the hood under some of the gnarly imaginative stuff we're trying to do together and maybe we pull together some fun people out in this broader universe of, of people who listen to this and work out who wants to play some of the characters in the scenes of Imagine Film alongside you as Jeff the alien dog and let's yeah. finish it up and share the process and, and set up the frame and and just, because I yeah. think we got to be creative, courageous as grown-ups, especially if we've got like serious jobs. It mm. can't always be up to the actors or the store, the people who are professionally doing that for us. Yeah, but If we're in tough disciplines and we can muscle this and role model it, Mm. i think that's one of the great lessons for the next generation to go yeah we can do logic and process and
1: analytics and um and critique well the challenge the challenge now is like the boundary is, is it's pretty much a short now this film I, like mm. uh, my thinking so far is that it was going to be a feature-length film so you know i've been really expansive and <laughs> just running around like a dog peeing on everything in my world map and then um you know inhabiting this dog and now it's like oh no it's going to be about 23 minutes long I'm like, oh, OK, we've got to prune this back now. Yeah. So um, prune it back while inviting more characters to come in.
0: Well, I think then like, you get it. This you, is
1: <laughs> you feel
0: then that way you're building. Um, well, because like, I was feeling it just go into the, my greatest fear, which is you just talk like back to the John Butler line. You dream or you're imagining you never finish it. And I was looking at this mm. film going, man, we've had like all these all these cuts right on it. We did all this stuff. We built it out. We said to kids, we're going to make it like it's been two years. And then we're just like following more and more of the story. And in terms of the, the Hollywood piece, like, yeah, making a feature film 120 minutes with a lot of animation in it is super expensive. So, how do we hack mm. this? So, if you get it mm. down to, you strip it back to 23 minutes, maybe you find some really imaginative ways that don't cost money, or you find some people who are like, yeah, we'll animate that section for you. And then you can yeah. extend it if you want to. And it, it maybe grows back to the feature film, but that restriction on imagination then allows a build to a point where you can complete, declare success, and
1: then you build again if you want to. Beautiful. Well, I mean, for the yards that we're having with uh, different writers and thinkers um, about it to to get all this content, um, you know, that that's once again, we allow, we don't just allow them just to just talk whatever's on their mind, you know, we throw out a challenge that makes them uncomfortable, you know. Uh, so usually there's a provocation question we start with and then we do a thought experiment that's a bit sticky and um that they have to (laughs) really struggle their way through with problem solving um and and i think we've got some good thoughts and good thinking and imagination coming out of our guests um by doing that Uh, provocations are always exciting yeah absolutely but you're a good provocateur my friend Sweet.
0: So we something. imagine so we imagine again, hey?
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Imagine again. Reimagine. Oh thanks for having me. No worries, bud. <laughs> Sweet. Um,